And welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. This week we are joined by Eduardo Mortara, the Italian-Swiss racing driver who has enjoyed multiple years of success in the German Touring Car Championship DTM, racing for Audi and Mercedes, and now races in the Formula E Championship for Rocket Venturi, partnered with Felipe Massa and headed up by Susie Wolf. He joined us from his car parked outside a supermarket because he forgot he was coming on the show but we forgave him and had a great chat about his career his love for family and dogs as well as his ventures outside of motorsport thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen if you like it please do leave us a review it really helps us to get even bigger enjoy welcome to episode 28 of the motormouth podcast before we introduce today's guest we have to head to the english county that has the enviable honor of being home to the oldest battlefield in britain Northy Island saw the Battle of Maldoon in 991. Yes, it's time to head due east to say hello to the man with the best radio voice motorsport has ever seen, the man that surely has the longest feet in all of Essex, nay, southeast England. It is, of course, Harry Benjamin. How are you doing? The Battle of Maldoon. Yes, very famous. Uh, clearly, yes. There's constant signs for it around the streets of Essex. <laughs> a very tough time for all of us. Um, wow, I'm impressed that you're really stretching these facts out. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think that's the last one. I don't think I've got yeah. any more Essex-related facts to throw your way. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing all right. It, we're still sort of under lockdown here in uh, in England, in the UK, which is what seems a bit kind of kind of getting used to it. I, yeah. I I'm a bit worried about the time where. It, lifted i don't know if i'm gonna have that social interaction capability anymore i know i'm quite enjoying our little bubble at the moment but anyway listen shall i uh shall i introduce today's guest yeah let's do it so this week we are joined by eduardo matara the geneva-based formula e star competing with rocket venturi racing under the ever impressive Susie wolf edo has made his way to formula e via formula renault and formula 3 euro series and he's won the famously challenging macau grand prix not once but twice in 2009 and 2010 he hot-footed over to Harry's very favourite series, uh, DTM, in 2011, where he stayed for a number of years before switching to focus on the all-electric championship ahead of the 17-18 season. He now races alongside the legendary Felipe Massa, and we're here to deep dive into the mind of the young Swiss star. Edo, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Hi, guys. How are uh, you? Thanks for having me. Absolute p- pleasure, Edo. Now, we're recording this on uh, it's the 27th of May. And we're, st- we're still in partial lockdown, obviously, in the UK. You're over in Switzerland, aren't you? Very nice weather, it seems like, outside your, your car window. Uh, um, <laughs> has lockdown, and said it's been sort of, uh, sort of eased off there. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, um, in Switzerland, we were pretty lucky. We didn't really uh, have to stay in our houses um, right from the, almost right from the beginning. We obviously had to um, uh, respect some uh, some rules like uh, social distancing and and all kinds of stuff like that. But like we we were able to go out uh, from our houses, and uh, so the lockdown phases for us wasn't that really wasn't difficult. So bad. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's been coping. You've been coping with it all right. How's the coping without the racing though? I bet that's been uh, been a, a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's quite difficult. It's been quite difficult uh, during these last three months, uh, obviously. Uh, um, yeah, will, we cannot really have like uh, that many contacts. Uh, well, actually, we, we cannot really see, you know, the, um, the team. Uh, we have like some contact through, uh, through phones and, and, and computers. We have like some meetings, but 
um, we are not racing, and uh, that's a little bit the, the sad part of uh, of this lockdown phase um, for us, uh, for our, for us in motorsport. What have you been up to to sort of pass the time? Um, well, um, my um, uh, I've got a little daughter, so uh, obviously we had to take care of her uh, with, with my wife. She, she was not going to school, uh, so that was uh, actually quite challenging. We uh, uh, homeschooling, <laughs> yeah, exactly, homeschooling, and uh, so that was quite nice. At the, the time, actually, to spend quite a lot of quite a lot of time with, with her, which is uh, which was a first for me. Uh, obviously, when um, as a race driver, you're always traveling, uh, always traveling, always spending some time, let's say, out of out of home and not really seeing a lot of, you know, your your children. So that gave me the, the possibility actually to spend quite a lot of time with her. That was that was really cool, really good. Um, other than that, a lot of sport, uh, some some home simulator. Yeah. Like, uh, Talking like of the the, of the, the simulators, have you have you been getting involved in the in the virtual racing scene at all? I yes, I tried. Uh, it's well, I, I I I bought actually and built my own simulator like two three years ago, and I've been um, racing quite a bit uh, online, uh, always for fun. Uh, during this lockdown phase, we had some uh, championships that were uh, set up by. Uh, by uh, yeah, by uh, by Formula E or other organizations, and uh, so it it got a little bit more serious. So yeah, but it was cool. It's it's quite entertaining, quite entertaining for for us drivers, but also for the people. And uh, yeah, had, uh, had some lovely fights, you know, with uh, with my mates. Yeah, did does um just being a racing driver on the track in real world racing does that always translate to being a good sim racer or is there sometimes you you could be an amazing guy on track but you get in a simulator and you're absolutely crap? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's two different things. So obviously, you can be a good uh, good race driver and you can also be you know quite bad like on online sim racing. Um, yeah, what is what is difficult is you don't get all 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 the feelings. You know, from uh, from uh, from uh, home simulator, you you're not really feeling, you know, the the car underneath you, uh, under you. You cannot really feel, you know, the um, the tires, all this stuff. You know, you, you cannot really feel, you know, from uh, from your simulator. Yeah. Rest can be quite realistic, and some games, some plat- some platforms, like for example, like iRacing, are really realistic, and uh, it's actually quite nice. Um, but you're still missing quite a bit of quite a bit of it uh with, with simulators yeah yeah i can imagine now take us back to early life um back in geneva where did the racing bug come from when was it that you thought this is something that i i want to pursue and was it your choice or did you have a parent that that wanted you to go down the racing route tell us about how it all began where it all began so i was uh eight years old when i started uh go-karting uh firstly it was basically to to, to have fun with my with my uncles uh, and and my father, my uncles actually raced um, rallies in in France. My father was also doing some rally red when he was younger. Uh, so you had you had a little bit, you know, the motorsport virus already a little bit in the family, and uh, they uh, they did transmit. It, uh, <laughs> very to topical, me, like, by the way, the motorsport virus. It's a very topical way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it goes well, you know, with the, with the time that we're living. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I liked it like uh, when I was uh, when I was very young and uh, and had the chance actually uh, 
to have a, a family firstly that could support me um, racing when I was uh, when I was younger. Uh, so firstly, it was rental go kart just to have fun uh, with my brother, and then uh, then you know the first races, first national races, ended up uh, doing like quite well. So then you do your uh, your first international races, uh, also ended up uh, doing like quite quite some good results also there, and, and you and you move on like this. So uh, it's been actually quite some time that I'm racing now. I still have this this passion in me, and uh, yeah, love it. Uh- and before we, uh, we we go on further into your career, just to, to change tack slightly, we heard that um, well, two very, very cool facts about your family. One, that your father is a fighter pilot, and two, that your grandfather was a fighter pilot in World War II. So why aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... Um... My my father he, he uh, was not um, uh, he was not really um, uh, like in the military. Uh, so he, he he's a pilot and um, he, um, he he found by basically his his own private uh, jet company. Um, it's, he's been really successful. He love uh, he loves to to, to fly and uh, ended up actually buying you know um, a military practice. Uh, practice jet, let's say, wow. a fighter jet, and so he's, he's flying. He's flying that when uh, when when he's got some time. So he so uh, hang, so he's bought a fighter. Jet. <laughs> he's got a fighter jet that he just takes up for a little cruise on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> flies around uh, the country. Sounds, so. he, okay, it sounds it's quite am- particular, but it's it's actually the truth. Uh, that's amazing. He, he, he loves it. Yeah. Can, can you uh, fly at all? I I actually uh, I started my. Um, I started like quite some some years ago to do uh, my uh, PPL, so the private pilot uh, license. It's the first license that you can uh, that, that, that you have to do. Let's say if you trying, you know, to to get this uh, this uh, to get into this career. And uh, mm. um, yeah, I had my PPL, but didn't really uh, continued. And then uh, obviously because I didn't fly and didn't practice, I lost it. Mm. Um, so I would have to do everything from scratch again, again if I want to yeah start start this career again but um yeah uh loved it very wow, cool. well, what an amazing uh, uh fact to have both your father and grandfather uh flying around the air but let's let's go around uh, let's go back to racing so when you started uh your racing career what was the dream because obviously formula e was it about so that that was surely not on the table what what were your dreams was it formula one or was it always going to be touring cars what was the ultimate goal for you starting out I was always interested in uh, in motorsport in general, so I was uh, looking at uh, obviously at Formula One because obviously obviously Formula One has always been the the top of motorsport, and uh, was in front of my TV, uh, dreaming of Formula One, watching uh, uh, the time it was Michael Schumacher, uh, Schumacher were winning uh, uh, winning in Formula One, um, and yeah, I was trying to get inspired, you know, from these from from these big champions and. Um, um, my dream when I was young was to try to to get to Formula One. Um, obviously, I, I quickly realized it was going to be a really difficult task, and uh, uh, the goal quickly became when I started Formula Racing. The the goal quickly became, you know, to to become a professional racing driver, to leave uh, from from your passion. But uh, yeah. So always just general. So there was nothing that caught your eye. So then, um, 
when did uh, sort of DTM come about then on your opportunity, making your way up through the various junior categories with some incredible success? Of course, you're known as Mr. Macau. So uh, driving around there is pretty much a speciality of yours as well. Uh, when did DTM and, and touring cars come about? Because obviously that's quite a switch from single seater racing as well. Yeah, uh, well, it was at the end of 2010. I had just uh, become a Formula 3 Euros, Euro Series champion. I just won the, um, the Macau Grand Prix for the second time. Um, Formula One was not really uh, possible anymore because I just done uh, a year of GP2 that didn't really go well. I didn't have the, the, the money actually to, um, to, to actually uh, pursue, like, let's say, a GP2 career. Uh, so that was not really a possibility. And then, um, and then Audi came. Um, I remember... Uh, going to Spain at the end of 2010, uh, doing a shootout with other drivers. It actually went really well. Uh, obviously, I was already sort of like connected with the Volkswagen group because I was racing with Volkswagen engine and I was a Volkswagen uh, official racing driver like in Formula 3 uh, in 2009 and 2010. And uh, so they gave me, uh, I went to do the shootout. It went well and uh, they gave me uh, the possibility to become a racing driver, let's say. And for, racing driver. Could, could you, for those that aren't familiar with DTM, just, just explain what sort of series it is for the, for the listeners. Uh, DTM is a very German uh, touring car championship. Uh, very, very, very professional level is, uh, is, is very, very high. You have, um, well, you had um, at that time, Two and then three uh, German manufacturers, uh, Audi, Mercedes, and uh, BMW, competing uh, against each other. Um, you had roughly like eight cars per manufacturer, so we were uh, 24, uh, especially during the, the the best years of DTM. Um, the cars are looking like sort of um, normal road cars, I would say, with big uh, with big wings. Uh, but uh, if you look underneath, let's say, you know, the bonnet and, um, and the shelf, it's it's actually a carbon, a carbon monocoque. Like very, it's 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 very close to a Formula car, yeah. like a big Formula car. Yeah. And that's the reason why a lot of actually Formula car Formula drivers actually uh, did the switch to a DTM. Uh, the driving style and the, the the way you need to drive these cars, uh, it's very similar to Formula car. So normally, mm. quite successful, let's say, Formula drivers are uh, doing uh, uh, yeah, uh, six, six successful switches to, to DTM. I've always said DTM is a, is a brilliant championship and you were in it uh, from 2011, obviously. 2016, that was a big year for you. So close to getting that DTM championship with Audi, only missing out by a few points due to, a, it was a technicality, wasn't it, after the, the Hungarian uh, DTM race. How do you look back at that season and, and what ultimately caused you to switch from Audi to Mercedes? Was was it that missing out of a championship and just wanting a fresh start or were there other factors in play? Well, uh, let's say that um, I had really good times like in DTM. I had, uh, uh, I think I've got like uh, 11 or 12, 10, 10 or 11 wins like in the championship. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a question on the quiz later. Ooh, so uh... I just gave it away. I hope you didn't hear that. <laughs> okay. Oh. I finished, yeah. Well, I finished runner-up like in the championship in 2016, but I also had like some uh, other good years. Uh, in the end, uh, in the end, you know, it's it's a very political 
uh, a championship and um, I did six wonderful years without it. And after 2016, I really had the, and actually had the chance actually to do two more years with, with Mercedes. And after this, uh, this eight years in DTM, I, I really felt, you know, the need to, to see something else. Mm. Uh, to develop, let's say, uh, my, my skills as a driver, to, to see something something new. Yeah. Mm. And uh, at that time, uh, Formula E was uh, growing up uh, really, really nicely. It was a championship that I was looking uh, already on TV that I was following. Uh, and uh, I had the chance actually to join. And um, yeah, and I'm um, very happy actually now to be in Formula E. And how did that opportunity present itself when you when you moved from DTM into Formula E with Venturi? What was it that led to uh, that race seat? How did it happen? Well, uh, it, it happened in 2017. Uh, so at that time, I was I, I just um, made the move from Audi to to Mercedes, and I was uh, uh, racing for Mercedes um, in DTM. It was my first year with them. And uh, and Venturi basically called me to to do some some testing and and they wanted to evaluate uh, me as a, as a, as maybe as a racing driver for them for the 2017-18 season so season four uh, the test went well and we ended up uh, working together and do you was there other people at that test was it a shootout or was it was it just you that they were focusing on. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there were some some other uh, other guys, other names. Actually, some uh, are uh, racing in the championship right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, obviously, because that championship was was growing, and uh, and a lot of drivers actually want to to be part of the championship. Uh, teams like Venturi, they had the possibility to test many drivers, and and, and try to get the best uh, the best, let's say, dr- racing drivers. Or what they consider the best option for them. Uh, I was I was lucky actually to to do a good test. I remember it was in uh, in France in Alès, and uh, yeah, and uh, it's my first season with them, and I'm really happy actually to be racing with them. You've had a a few teammates over the years in, in Formula E as well. Now currently partnered with, of course. Uh, vice Formula One champion Felipe Massa. What's he like to have uh, as a teammate? You seem like you really get on with him. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Um, we are uh, we have a sim- we are coming from a similar, let's say, culture. He's he's um, Brazilian Italian. I'm 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 Swiss and Italian, but we but he's he's been living in Italy for for quite some time, uh, and we we really understand each other really well. And uh, that is uh, that is already you know a, a first really good thing, um, and then yeah, he's, he brings a lot of experience. Uh, he brings a lot of like good ideas. Uh, obviously, he's extremely talented. Uh, this this I don't really have to to, to say. He's been a, a vice champion, a vice a vice world champion, like in Formula One. So uh, yeah, he, he doesn't need to prove anything anymore. And uh, and yeah, and I'm enjoying uh, racing. Uh, racing with him and Susie Wolf has has cemented herself as one of the most important people in the paddock what's it like working for her what's she like as a team boss and, and what's the atmosphere the culture like inside the team I would say um, she's very determined and motivated and this is something that you can really feel uh, she, she's retransmitting you know uh, the, these values you know to the team and um I could really feel uh, a big difference actually when she when she, when she came into the team. 
she brought a, like I said, like a lot, a lot of determination, a lot of motivation, but also, um, um, she, uh, she's, she's really looking at every detail and, um, she, she's very precise. And this is something that really, um, probably was missing a little bit before she came and, uh, yeah, brought a lot of things. So I'm very happy that she's, she's on board. Um, she made a lot of, uh, decisions. Uh, and then, and, and I'm sure, you know, some differences you will, uh, you would see like in the future. Yeah. T- t- talking of the future, um, we don't yet know what's going to happen as of recording anyway. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with the Formula E season yet. Um, hopefully we'll still get some racing in, but looking ahead to season seven, do you already have some aspirations? Is it possible to start thinking ahead to season seven and what might be achievable? It's difficult to answer. I think uh, with the situation that we are that we're having right now, I think it would be good, like you said, to already finish season six. Um, when we do that, we will have to prepare season seven. Um, it's it's a long it's a long term um, it's a it's a long term development project, like in Formula E. Um, sof- uh, softwares are um, continuously uh, developed and. Uh, by the engineers and um, it's difficult for me to tell you you know what we can uh, what we can achieve you know in season seven um, the team is clearly going in the right direction we can um, we can clearly feel you know that there is that we are more competitive that we are uh, that we have like better results uh, but we don't really know what the others are doing and um, results depend also quite a lot on what the others are doing yeah. Uh, one of the, the stories to come out recently that you've spoken about is this idea of uh, weight and how much a driver can weigh currently with the Formula E uh, weight restrictions. Talk us a bit about that because you're finding it quite difficult aren't you, to, to really be able to, to fit that weight uh, limit in a Formula E car. Could you talk us through a bit about what the rules are and, and where you're finding the difficulties at the moment? Well, it's been quite, uh, quite a big challenge actually for me in, in, in Formula E. Um, I don't really consider myself as a as as a big guy, let's say, yeah. or as a really heavy guy. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm 182, uh, uh, so tall centimeters, and uh, I'm weighing depends depends a lot on on the championship. Before I was weighing like 80 kilos, now I'm weighing weighing like probably 75 to 73 kilos. Yeah, that's not heavy at all. Um, no, I mean I don't co- I don't consider that you know as 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 I don't consider myself, you know, to be a really heavy or really big. And, um, but it's been quite challenging because in Formula E, um, the weight, we have a weight limit. We have to be at uh, 900 kilos with the car. And so, and so depending on the, the car that you have, if it's quite heavy, you know, it's very easy to be overweight. Mm. And we know in, uh, in, in motorsport, weight is, 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 uh, is a big disadvantage. Uh, it's a big disadvantage, you know, when you brake, when you accelerate, when you go through a corner. Um, so you want to be at the weight limit. You want to be at 900. If you're at 910, uh, engineers can already, you know, calculate that you're going to lose a tenth, two tenths, three tenths, depending on the on the car that you're driving, uh, per lap. And uh, so it's a problem in qualifying because you lose, like, pure performance. But it's also a problem informally with um, with energy management. Because you obviously need more energy, you know, to move more weight. Um, 
And so in order to be as close to the limit, I've always been overweight in Formula E. I've never actually managed to be <laughs> with the correct weight. Um, I, you need to make a lot of sacrifices. Uh, the problem is that when you you reach a limit, you reach, a, let's say, a physical limit. Uh, when you go down, let's say, a lot with the body fat, which is the first thing that you're going to try you know, to, um, to cut, there is a limit with that. Then, then you be, then you start becoming like always, always, uh, always sick because of that. So, uh, it's it's been it, it's been quite challenging actually for me. Yeah, it sounds tough because it, you're you're like you say you're not a big you're not a big guy in the sense that you know looking we got you on video here and you you you've got one of those typical things that I'm jealous of a jawline and you know you're you're <laughs> you're a, you're a chiselled um, you know slim guy to think that you can't make the weight seems ridiculous is is there plans for them to change some of the regulations around this uh maybe maybe but i i I don't know if it's been confirmed Uh, they were trying to implement a new uh driver weight rule so they at some point i heard that they wanted to to implement this 80 kilos uh weight rule so um a driver with his equipment but also with the racing seat and racing bucket, uh, seat bucket, sorry, uh, would have to be 80 kilos minimum. If you're not right. 80, then you need to. Uh, if you're not 80 kilos, then you need to add some, some, some weight probably on the seat. Uh, so I, I don't know if this this has gone through. Um, I would really hope so because that would actually um, give me the possibility to have uh, the same chances than pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, all the drivers. Yeah, that mm. that makes that makes sense. Um, for, Formula E obviously is city centres, uh, often very thin tracks, um, lots of technical sections. Is there a is there a driving style that suits Formula E, or or can it be a variety? Of, you know, could you be a very aggressive driver and do well? Be a very smooth driver and do well? Um, and what what is your style of driving, if you could describe it? It's a very it's a very tough. Um tough question to, to answer actually it, it depends more on um, on uh, on the session that you're having in, in family so in qualifying uh, you can push as hard as you can um, without yeah, I mean smoothness doesn't really matter you know you can uh, you can be a little bit aggressive with the car you can really you, know, you can really break late into the corners or accelerate like uh, very aggressively out of the corners that works actually you can do pretty much whatever you want like in quali- in qualifying in the race it's a complete different challenge because you have the energy management and you need to be very very smooth and it takes a little bit of time to actually understand what you have to do in order to be uh, to be efficient uh, so in a family race weekends you're always uh, changing driving style and this is a this this is really difficult on top of that you you never have always the same a power output so for example like in uh, during the race you have a uh, 200 kilowatt and in in qualifying you have 250 kilowatt and uh, you have only two laps actually during the entire weekend to prepare for that one lap qualifying lap so it's 
it's very tough for all these reasons you know formula e is uh, is, is a big challenge actually for racing drivers yeah no it sounds sounds tricky um just switching across to formula one um i'm curious to get your thoughts on formula one um is it a sport you still follow? Um, you were a fan when you were younger. Is it still um, a focus for you? Do you get into it? Do you enjoy watching the races? And what do you make of uh, modern Formula One? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, sport in general. Uh, F1, of course, because it's uh, what I said before. It's it's the top of motorsport. Uh, and yeah, and at the moment, I'm I'm pretty disappointed because you know we cannot really have uh, uh, any Formula One races. Um, on TV, we cannot watch uh, watch uh, F1 shows, so it's it's a bit uh, it's a bit disappointing. Um, I really hope that this also. I really also. I I also hope that you know uh, this this coronavirus crisis will not affect to, uh, too much Formula One. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of uh, rumors and stories uh, that Formula One is suffering quite a lot uh, with that, especially especially the teams. Yeah. So I really hope that um, you know uh, all the teams and Formula One will uh, will go through this this uh, this situation like uh, okay. Yeah. Now listen, uh, Edo. This is a very important part of the podcast. You need to make sure your phone speakers are working superbly. It is about this time that we like to hand over to my esteemed colleague to introduce you to the very very challenging and very competitive Motor Mouse Quiz. Harry, over to you, our boy. And a brand new theme tune as well. Edo, welcome to Motormouths, the hardest quiz in motorsport, uh, as verified by Will Buxton, who we had on a few weeks ago. Now, here's how it works. Um, we've got four clips that we're going to play you. They're all about you. It's either you saying them or a commentator talking about your racing. And basically, with each clip, I just want you to tell me what's going on, where you think it's happening, so a racetrack and when, so either a year or a particular season. So there's four clips and then a bonus question. So each clip is worth three points. There are 13 points up for grabs. Our current overall leader is Brendan Hartley. He's been up there a long time, points. isn't he? He's, so uh, you really, alley. he's a main rival. But in the season three uh, leaderboard, which uh, it was what we were in, uh, Will Buxton currently tops that with 11 points. And David Coulthard uh, is uh, third at the moment with 10. So that's where you, we've got we've got big numbers to aim for. Okay, Ed, so how are we feeling? Pressure, then. There, there is pressure. serious pressure. Are you ready for your first clip? Let's go. Okay, Let's here, it. here it comes. So I'm going to go through the pit lane. Uh, please check if everything is looking good. Okay, copy that. Right. What do we think is happening there? So, uh, so it's my race engineer, Albi, uh, when I was in Mercedes. So it's either 2017 and 2018. Um, obviously, one of those races where uh, you, there was DTM chaos, and uh, I guess that I had the... Uh, ah, um, yeah, but I, I had quite a lot of races, actually. Oh, no, he's got it wrong <laughs> from the start. Oh, it's no, all going no, horribly no, no. wrong. Hey, no, right, I'll give you this. Okay, ah, if... no, wait. Uh, Formula E? Do you want to hear it one more time? Uh, it's a yes, hard please. one to start off with. Let's hear this it one more time. This is a tricky time. one. Here it comes. One more time. So I'm going to go through the pit lane. Uh, please check if everything is looking good. Okay, copy that. This is a hard okay. one. Okay. okay, so I'll, I'll I'll do it again. So it's Formula E. <laughs> so it's Formula E. It's one yes. of the races last year, and I'm trying to think about when did we go through the pit lane uh, last year. <laughs> so 
But um, I'm, I'm like, my memory is like. This is bad. oh, this has been an absolute disaster. Uh, <laughs> it's nil point. Edo, here we go. So it was in 2018. So season, what's that? Season, season four? four? Yeah. Um, season four of Formula E. You're going in through five. the pit. Season five. So you're going through the pit lane. So I'll give you a point for going through the pit lane. So, Mexico. No. <laughs> I tried. Just keep shouting out random countries. You'll get there in the end. So basically what's happened is uh, there's a safety car that's come out due to uh, Mara Engel going into the wall. And that has forced all the cars to go through the pit lane behind the safety car in Santiago. Ring a bell? No. No, none at all. Look, blank Nothing. face. He can't. He doesn't remember being there. Maybe. <laughs> You know what? You get, I'm going to give you one point because that was a hard one. What? You get one point on a for going through the pit lane. Harry, the, okay. they say in the radio clip he's going through the pit lane. He can't have a point for that, surely. <laughs> yeah, but it, I really want him to beat Brendan Hartley. Okay, he's fair enough. At the top of the list for far too yeah, long. Okay, okay, um, we'll okay right. I think it does get easier. Yeah, so does. let's go to clip number two. Okay, here we go. We might, uh, we might uh, win that one. Like he pushed him off, he caused him to retire. That's second place, baby. Hey, congrats, guys. Okay, well done. I don't even need to play the rest of this. I don't need to play the whole clip. He's got it. Push that three. Yeah, Hong Kong last year. You finished second on the road, obviously. Bird under investigation. He gets uh, given a penalty, and you later go on to win the race. That is three points. Okay, we're back on track now. Back on track. Let's get clip number three in there. Here it comes. Like you put me in the wall. Like you put me in the wall. Okay, Edo, let's uh, get back on track. Uh, 1.37 target to the end. Like he put me in the wall there. Man, he changed like his line yeah, three uh, times and then put me in the wall. In season four with uh, Jose Mario Lopez, I think. Brilliant. Oh, yes. That yes. is another three points. Now we're cooking on yeah. gas. Now we're now we're now we're cooking. Battery. There we go. Okay. I need to warm up and then now yeah. we're warm up. Exactly. Now you're with it. Now you're with it. Okay. Is it is uh, it mathematically? Is it there's a bonus? Is question it mathematically well. possible to beat Brendan? Mm, okay, it's gonna no, be you tough. Can't beat Brendan, <laughs> no. but you can still get up there. Can beat Buxton. <laughs> Buxton can be right. beaten. All right, final clip. Let's do it. Here we go. Down at Hong Kong Station, After when he looked through. to be in control of the Ebrey. Uh, the first year in Hong Kong uh, when I spun uh, on and I was leading. Yeah, that so I remember that one also. Yeah, yeah, that is again three. That must have been a hard one to swallow. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You have no idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> But hey, you came back fighting and you're still there. Okay, looking good. Okay, and her bonus question. Now, we did touch on this briefly, so um, I'm not holding out hope you will get this correct. Bonus question for you, Edo. <laughs> How many wins did you achieve in your DTM career? I'll go with 10. He heard He's me. Got it. Spot it's spot on. I... Did he hear you? <laughs> I gave that away earlier. Well done. Okay, let's do well, the maths. It's actually depending, like, if you count... Uh, we had, like, some uh, exhibition shows, like, in Munich. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm not... Okay. But for the real races. For the real yeah, racing. Yeah. yeah. Ten, we, I'm going with 10 for the answer on that one. Okay, I've done the maths. Uh, let's just add you to the leaderboard. Oh, okay. It's got to be on up On the there. overall leaderboard, Edda, you have scored... 11 points out of 13, which is not too shabby at all, considering that disastrous start, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which has put you, now it's a really tough leaderboard, but it's put you on the overall leaderboard. It's put you in sixth place ahead 
of Will Buxton. Actually, equaled Will Buxton, but you go ahead because you're the latest one. Uh, And just below uh, BBC F1 broadcaster Jenny Gao. So that is the overall leaderboard. In our season three leaderboard, you go into joint first. What? It's on the leaderboard. Joint first for 11 points. Why are you so surprised? No, I'm not not surprised at all. Not at all. I knew you'd get there. Full confidence. That's not too shabby. That's good. Well done. done. Not bad, not bad. Not bad, not bad, considering, yeah, uh, that start. But hey, thank you for playing Mouse Mouse. It is the hardest quiz in motorsport, but you've you've really uh, dug yourself out of a hole on that one. That was good. You've done very well there. Um, (laughs) Listen, um, I'm curious to know, right, so you're a very fast racing driver. We all know that. Um, You're into your, your mountain biking and so on. You're very good at these things. But what are you rubbish at? What are you completely useless at? Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's tough actually to answer these kind of questions. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm rubbish at many, many things. Um, I've got no patience. Oh, really? I'm normally I'm not so good in um, manual work. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I, I consider myself like rubbish, like in many things. So I can, and then I can progress. You know, it's it's easier. It's easy to progress then. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this then? Do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> There's that blank face again. Can we move but... on? Uh... <laughs> well, no, but mountain biking could be a hidden talent because that's a... you're into your mountain biking, right? Sports in general. Normally, yeah. um, I, 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 my, uh, I'm good, like in, um, in, in, um, in let's say, in, in getting okayish, let's say, in, in a lot of sports. And, uh, I did, I did actually quite a lot of them. And so the more you do, uh, the more you do different sports, the, also the better you get at, um, at, at new ones, let's yeah. say. What new is your, different. what is your favorite sport outside of motorsport? I've, I've got a lot of them. I've got oh. a lot of them. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I played a lot of years, uh, football. I did, um, I did, I did fight sports, uh, for a oh, lot of wow. years also. Fight sports. Um, I, I'm wakeboarding uh, in summer. I'm bike riding, so on the road and also mountain biking. So going what, downhill. What is what are fight sports? Uh, fight sports. Yeah, I, I grew up and I was. Uh, uh, I did a lot of boxing. Oh, okay, boxing. got you. Yeah, yeah, I was like fight sports. What's that? Okay, yeah, boxing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> boxing, sense. boxing, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, bro. Um, now, outside, obviously, racing and, and sport in general, you're also involved in sort of the hospitality industry as well. Is that something you you like to focus on when you're not racing? Yeah. Well, um, I, it's uh, I enjoy actually being very uh, very active, and mm. um, uh, you know, as a race driver, uh, when you're obviously not uh, keeping fit and not following, let's say, like meetings with with engineers and and what they're doing, you obviously have a lot of like, uh, a lot of free time and. Uh, uh, really, uh, uh, I, I started. I started really like being very active when I was already like in DTM, uh, doing doing businesses. Uh, I opened restaurants, bars uh, that I then sold. Uh, I, I went on to uh, to open a food factory actually uh, in France that I still have actually. Uh, real estate, um, so. Um, Actually, finance because I, I actually did quite a lot of finance. I have a degree. I have a master in in finance. So, wow. Um, so, try to con to continue. Uh, let's say um, 
uh, yeah, uh, do what I learned actually uh, during university. So it was cool also. And uh, yeah, and uh, funny, quite interesting. Um, always trying to learn uh, new stuff. That's very impressive. I think that you could yeah. be up there with uh, with with Jack Aitken as one of our most intelligent uh, podcast guests. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'd like to know is, do you have any pets? You've obviously got a little child at home. You're doing the homeschooling. Got any pets? Got a dog, cat? I would love to have a dog, but uh, at the moment, I don't have enough space actually to have uh, to have one. Do you... I would love to have a, uh, yeah, my, my goal is to have a sort of like a yeah, big family, let's say, yeah. you know, we, 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 with the dog and the, and the, the children, you know, to play, uh, to play with the dog, you know, that kind of, uh, that yeah, kind the, of, uh, the, the classic sort of American family, uh, yeah, 2.4 uh, sort of, children. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I, by the, actually by the time this podcast podcast gets released, I will have, three children i have two at the moment i've got wow. one due in th- in three <laughs> weeks time so by the time this is out i'll have had child number three which is a slightly at terrifying least, thought. at least three number three maybe more no 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 that that is it that the <laughs> that snip the snip is coming there is no way <laughs> i'm oh, having I, I, I don't want more than three like we've got two boys at the moment it's complete chaos everywhere my house is destroyed and uh, three is quite enough, thank you. So no, how, how many kids do you want to have? Are you are you gonna you're gonna grow and expand? Are you? Yeah, uh, I'd I'd love to have uh, at least two, and uh, if possible, three. Yeah, three or four. I think that um, uh, having children is the best thing that uh, the, that you can achieve in in, in life. And uh, and uh, I, I I love actually uh, having my uh, my daughter around. So I, I would love. Especially when I when I will have more time uh, when my career will be over to, yeah to to spend uh, to spend more time actually with my uh, with my children. Yeah, it's would nice. You, uh, would you like any mini racing drivers? Any mini Mortara racing drivers? Not necessarily. If this is what you know they want to do, yeah, I will I will su- support them as, as as much as I can. If they want to do uh, other things, uh, we, we will see we will see in the future. It's weird. When, once you become a parent, you start noticing different things like. Um, for those that can't see us, um, uh, Edo is uh, in his car at the moment in, in a car park, and I'm admiring the child you, you seat in the see, back. You can see the the seat. Yeah, the I'm like, oh, that's a good one. What make is that? That looks very nice. Because I because we've got a three now. We've got to fit three across the back seats, which is a nightmare. So finding car seats that fit is a, is an absolute disaster. So yeah, it's a nice one. So we we've had to end up buying a seven seat um, SUV. Um, just to fit the the troops in. But anyway, this is boring for you, Harry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't even imagine having them. Um, Well, a few quick fire questions for you, Edo, before we get towards uh, the end. Uh, You obviously talk about, you know, opening restaurants and having your own food business as well. What is your favourite food? My favourite food? um, I don't necessarily have uh, one in particular. I I love quite a lot of things, actually. Pasta. Uh, pizza, obviously, because uh, this is coming from uh, my Italian, Italian blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, enjoying having steaks, fish, uh, nice. whatever is well cooked. Uh, Are you? Can you cook? Are you? Do you consider yourself a bit of a chef? Or no, no, no. <laughs> I tried. I tried, and I had uh, the best lessons from uh, from really amazing chefs, but uh, the results were never really uh, were never really there. 
I hate fish. I don't know why anyone would want to eat fish. I don't understand it. It should just be left in the sea. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's lovely. I can't believe I'm saying that. Very strange. Um, Um, I I had a couple of years where I was only eating only sushis because I had like uh, sushi restaurants. Oh, wow. And I was basically eating sushi midday, eating sushi uh, during the evening. I cannot eat a sushi anymore. No. Uh, two or three years where I was doing... Uh, <laughs> I bet you felt I bet you out. felt good, though. You must have felt very clean. Uh, Joe, Joe Rogan, um, he, he went through a month of just eating meat. He ate nothing but meat. And he felt incredible by the end of the month. Best he's felt. He really? was all... Yeah, he was ripped. He was going to the gym layers. He looked amazing. Um, anyway, we we digress. All that protein. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, where will um, eighty-year-old um, Edu be? What what when you look into the future? You're eighty years old. What are you, what are you going to be doing? Are you are you chilling out on your big country estate with your three hundred children and your cars and your businesses? What what's what's the what's the long term dream? Um, my my dream would be actually to relax. I don't know, like with the sort of like with a house, kids, grandkids, uh, pets, so dogs, Uh, either uh, with a beach house or uh, with a mountain house. Nice. Uh, Realistically, I don't think that it's going to happen because I like to stay active. So I will probably find, you know, some activities to do even uh, when I will be 80. What uh, what variety of dog would you get? Um... German Shepherd mm. or um, I forgot the name of this dog. What's it, what's it look uh, like? I'd like a very intelligent dog. And actually, I googled the uh, intelligent <laughs> dog. You know the sheep dog. I googled it the other day, and it was sheep dogs are really intelligent, aren't they? It won't be a Labrador. No, they're, they're not. They're intelligent. a bit dopey, aren't they? It won't be a they're Dalmatian. They're not bad, actually. Then I've got a black lab who is lovely. He's not intelligent. Well, I mean, he has his days. But overall, if you want an intelligent dog, I don't think a Labrador is the way no. to go. But a German Shepherd, a big dog then. You're not going to go for a little Chihuahua. Or a Jack Russell. No, 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 no. no. no, I, no, I, no. Like a quite reasonable size. You know, yeah. I, I, I really you know, want to know like a little is. Chihuahua, like you're it's going around with it. It's not really for me. No, it's too, they're too small. It's too bit, small. It's a bit camp. Um, okay, well, Edda, we have a, a final three questions that we we ask to all of our guests. Uh, they're the exact same questions every time. It's just really interesting to see what what each of our guests uh, say. Shall I kick off with the first yeah. one, um, Tim? Go for it. All right, Edda, what's got you excited at the moment? Uh, yeah, uh, racing racing again in uh, in Formula E. Yeah, nice, solid nice. answer. Yeah. Um, if not doing what you're doing racing what would you be doing what would i be doing um i would i will carry on with my uh, businesses so yeah doing businesses uh whether it's real estate or other uh take um buying basically i'm i'm, I'm at, the, at the moment uh, what i did the last like three four years is buying companies and trying you know buying companies that were maybe not in in, in great shape and try to yeah uh, to make them grow. So I did that uh, two, three times now. So I will probably do that. Excellent. Amazing. Uh, and final question for you, Edo. What are you scared of? What I'm scared of? Yeah. So it can be uh, creepy crawlies or, you know, spiders, snakes, anything like that. Uh, I'm going to give you like a philosophical answer. Oh, oh, and, nice. and we can have a philosophical nice. answer as well. We've had yeah, that <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm not really scared. I'm not scared about anything in particular. 
myself. I'm I'm more scared for uh, for my children, uh, for for the future, what they will uh, what they will get. Mm. Uh, hopefully, they will not uh, go through uh, too many problems, and too many problems can be viruses. It can be can be many stuff. So I'm I'm more. Uh, yeah, more sort of like scared, for, you know, for them. Yeah, yeah. Ah, very good. I, I, I completely agree. Um, but no, lovely. Thank you very much for all of that. Thank you for your time. It's been a huge pleasure having you on the show. Well done on beating Will Buxton on the podcast. I'm sure he'll be pleased to hear that. <laughs> Edo, thank you so much for joining us. That's been the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you for the chat. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. We here at Motormouth are a small, independent team. Since starting this podcast just over a year ago, we're reaching over 15,000 of you across 30 countries around the world. And we want to bring the biggest names in motorsport to you. Find out about their lives and careers and have a chat about whatever is going on in the motorsport world. We are determined to carry on producing these episodes. However, they do come at a cost. From securing guests to equipment and editing software and expanding the podcast and app, that's why we've set up a Patreon page where you can help us to carry on doing what we do. There are three levels at which you can contribute, starting from £5 a month to £10 or £20. Each tier allows you slightly different levels of access. Depending on which one you choose, you can enjoy early access to podcast episodes, exclusive member benefits, merchandise, shoutouts, and your chance to feature on one of our shows. Any support you can give us is massively appreciated and will help us grow and continue to bring cool content to race fans all over the world.